Uh, good morning. Uh, it is Thursday, April the 15th. Uh, Scottsville Mayor David Birch here with uh, City of Scottsville Code Enforcement Officer Jerry Biddle. And have a lot of questions. You know, they see you around. You've been involved in a lot of different projects across the city. And uh, just kind of, you know, first of all, give us a little bit of background because, I, you know, I love that you're uh, a veteran. <laughs> and um, we could talk about some other things, what you all are doing at VFW and so forth, too. So just kind of give a little bit of background and how you, maybe even how you got to Scottsville. Well, um, I'm, as you said, I'm a retired veteran. Uh, I was in the Air Force for about five years and then Army for about 15, retired out of Fort Campbell. Um, I worked at the, got a radiology degree, worked at the medical center for a few years, um, x-ray CT, um, went back to school, got another degree, was getting ready to move to Indiana, and uh, got with a local girl, and <laughs> here I am, 11 years later, yeah. and uh, and uh, went to volunteer, was trying to find something to do since I was retired, went to volunteer, they took me in at the PVA to volunteer up there for a little while. Ended up down to planning and zoning for a little while and uh, wrote the ordinances for the uh, code enforcement. Had it passed by the city council, and here I am, code enforcement. So we did, did we not have a really a, a formal, in, I, mean, I guess, ordinances in some areas of the city or, or, or what? There was ordinances in place, but there was nobody really to enforce it. Right. I mean, the police were all busy doing, you know, the sure. criminal aspect, and this is civil aspect, so... It was really nobody to step in and, and enforce what they needed to be enforced. Yeah, uh, I also was going to tell you I got bit bitten by the uh, local girl bug too back in uh, nine. <laughs> so it's rough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, it ended up getting to come to Scottsville, which was great. I loved it. So oh, I awesome. love it here in Scottsville. Yeah, I've always have. And uh, so, um, how long were you in the military? A little over twenty years. Was it twenty years? Okay. Yeah. Um, and you, you're. I know, and I don't, I don't know, I'm just going to, I know there's something you really do, you help a lot of veterans with their benefits and so forth, and I think that's a, a mission that you've been called for. Um, my first three years here, I didn't know there was a VFW in town. Drove by it, but never opened. Finally found out it was open when my wife was doing an internship over at the uh, courthouse. And uh, so I joined. Two months later, they had me a service officer helping veterans, and that's what I wanted to do was help veterans, you know, the way they, I got help when I retired. And uh, ever since then, I've been, I'm a service officer. Veterans come, I get them as far as Alabama, Tennessee. I just got a call from Tennessee um, two days ago. Um, we help veterans locally. Right now, um, all the veterans we've helped in the local area roughly puts about an income into this city in the county of about $2.7 million a year. So you're helping them with, like, I don't know, uh, disability? Disability, medical benefits, sure. and stuff like that. Um, if their spouse passes away, we help them with a dependent indemnity compensation to help a monthly check stipend for them, for the, the remaining spouse. Where is the nearest VA facility that you use? or Well, there's a, there's a clinic. There's a, it's called a CBOC in uh, Bowling Green mm -hmm. over by the hospital, right. right behind McDonald's in that plaza. That's a little clinic. Then you got the VA hospital in um, Nashville, which is great because they use a lot of the Vanderbilt doctors. Mm -hmm. So it's a great facility. And then there's one in Murfreesboro, which I also use. And uh, that's a big facility, but it's rough to get around in. Is it's it? like a maze. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But I like it down there. Okay. Well, uh, let's talk about code enforcement. I mean, I mean, 
I think a lot of people know what it means or think they know. But, you know, what what is your definition or what do you perceive as code enforcement? Um, it's basically all the ordinances have been set by the city council. Um, it's pretty much enforcing them, making sure that people comply with what, you know, the city requires as far as anything from grass, trash, buildings, structures, business license, um, sign permits, anything that, that's set in an ordinance by the city um, is enforceable. So, but you've actually written ordinances and presented to the city council, like you said earlier, and they've adopted them. And yeah. I, I there's a lot of research that goes into that. There is. There, I mean, you got to make sure you're not doing anything illegal. You got to make sure, um, you know, the wording is right. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's no big Because it is a legal document, and yes. it has to be defended. It could be defended even in court. Yes. Uh, obviously, it's defended, you know, uh, at the planning and zoning and the city council all the time. Uh, but, uh, and that's what, that was my next question, where does the authority come from uh, for your enforcement powers? And basically, it's through the city council. Well, it's city council and House Bill 422, Kentucky House Bill 422. What is that? It's a house bill creating the, um, setting the standards and the, and the authority of a, of a code enforcement officer mm -hmm. and uh, to create a uh, code enforcement board. So it eliminates the, the backlog of the court system. So we have a board. Um, if you disagree with what, you know, if you get a citation, disagree with it, you can come before the board. Sure. The board makes a determination. And that that takes away from going through the court system, backlogging them for, for minor civil offenses. Right. And uh, so, um, you know, I think that uh, some of the some of the ordinances or the that are adopted are, are some of them come from a state. I mean, from the state, they set the legislature sets them, but then they kind of leave it to a local well, we community. Have, or yes, we have um, a lot of the ordinances uh, stem from federal. Um, okay. Uh, the IMPC, the International Property and Maintenance Code. And then the KRSs that uh, the state, you know, um, dictates, and then you can add to it. Can't never take away from it, but you can always add to those those codes or their ordinances. And uh, then the cities have to adopt, like we've adopted the IMPC code for 2012. And then we've also, of course, we um, we adopted all the KRSs, you know, that uh, the state mandates. And then we've added to some of those to uh, the kind of cater to our local situation right. so they're kind of uh you, you kind of i don't know you um make them to where it's uh, scottsville oriented or you right. know just for the city yeah. of scottsville uh now you don't have any authority in the county right it, no yeah no. city limits yeah right okay all right so well let's talk about some of the issues we face here in scottsville i mean you know since <laughs> i've been in the office in october of uh, 2019 uh, you and i have uh, uh worked on quite a few things and uh there's a there's a lot a lot to do here, and uh, there is. I mean, beautiful city. Um, absolutely. But there's a lot to do, and and uh, we just need to get some of this, you know, you know, the old time thinking out of the way, and and, and move forward, and and uh, get the city back to a, a beautiful city. So let's talk about specifics. Um, of course, you know, you hear a lot of issues of uh, dilapidated, abandoned homes, houses, residents, so forth. We. Uh, you've been very proactive in that program. You want to explain a little bit about how that process works and how we come to determine, you know, which one. Because we took down, what, five last year, maybe four or five last year? Uh, the city did, but then yeah. we had we had a lot of uh, owners after they were given notice. Sure. So kind of, yeah, so that, I think that's something I want to uh, kind of clarify because I had a question about that uh, uh, last week. So 
starting with, you know, how do you identify uh, what you're going to do and then work from there? Um, it's either self-identification. If I'm driving around, I see something, I keep an eye on it, take pictures of it. If it doesn't um, progress over a certain period of time, then we'll send notice or I'll send notice that the property is not being maintained. It's in the dilapidated, um, abandoned state. Um, and see, if, you know, try to get the owner to, to either figure out whether they want to clean it up, fix it up, or if we need to proceed, if they're just not going to do anything with the property, proceed to get it um, raised to the ground. But don't you kind of have an informal contact with them to start with? Yes. It's, I, I, you know, everything is, I try to do a verbal sure. contact with them. I've, I've knocked on doors and talked to the people personally. Sometimes people don't like that. They like yeah. a letter. Sure. But uh, other Well, that comes in the process. But, you know, sometimes, I mean, you find that some people may just really don't know or they're not and aware there, of it. There are some of those. So it's just more of a courtesy. Yeah. All right. And we've had a lot um, taken down just by a, a formal or an informal talk mm -hmm. with them. It's like this house is or this structure is not suitable. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll go ahead and tear it down. And they'll, you know, we've had a lot of those done. But then we've had a lot that we've had to proceed with, you know, condemnation. Um, sometimes we can't find the owners, can't find the heirs, and um, we have to wait and, you know, do the... Well, let's talk about specifically about North uh, North Forth down below Life Skills. Uh, you took that down. That was one of those instances where uh, the city attorney couldn't trace the uh, heirs and so forth. So how did that, I, how'd I, that take? Well, um, a few years back, I, I did a tracking. Um, usually we have to go by what the PBA has on record for the property. Um, last owners were in Anchorage, Alaska. So I sent a certified letter to Anchorage, Alaska. It came back undeliverable. Um, then uh, I sent out a few more letters, and now there's nobody, there's somebody on the books at the PVA, but there's no address. Mm -hmm. And from what Kelly has found, Kelly Powell, the city attorney, is that those people have since passed. So he tried to search for more heirs, you know, and they, we give him a good length of time, you know, for him to search for heirs and stuff. And if you can't find any heirs to the property, then we go ahead and um, uh, okay. proceed with condemnation, and uh, we'll have to go that route. Uh, well, I think that um, what I was curious about is like, um, you know, we you have a, an owner cooperation, and you have uh, and you have absentee owners. Now, uh, I think ultimately we would like for the landowners to. Um, you know, to fix that up or do whatever. So, but Correct. if that's not the case or, you know, there's other places where you've talked to the owner and they've, you know, you tell them a little bit about the arrangements we made with the city. Um, there's certain arrangements where we've, um, we've agreed to pay for the dump fees. If they hire the company, come in, put the, pay for all the dumpsters and everything, we'll pay for the fees to actually dump them out at the transfer station. Um, that's worked pretty well. I mean, it's really, you know, limited our cost uh, in, in the situation. And sometimes the owners just do it all on their own. They have their own equipment. They come in, take them down, haul them out there, dump them on their own. Uh, and some, one, I won't do this again, um, he let a, a <laughs> local guy come in and uh, tear it down for him for all the scraps out of it, which was a three, four month process. And yeah. uh, that didn't turn out well. So I learned my lesson there. Don't let that happen again. So, but. Uh, um, well, we've had, we've had some properties donated. Yes, we've had a and, and the thing, and I will say that I want to tell everyone, I th Jerry does an excellent job of negotiation, and I think that he has a great rapport with uh, uh, homeowners and landowners and so forth. And I think that you know, all, 
ultimately we're working for a solution, and they, they want a solution too. Uh, tell them a little bit about how sometimes we get donated properties. Well, we um, down on North Forth as, as well, at the bottom of North Forth, we had a, a property owner. Uh, the house burnt down. They didn't have the money to, to, for the condemnation for the raising of the, of, the, of the property. So he, in lieu of the bill that we would have put a lien on, he went ahead and gave us the property because he wasn't living there anymore anyway. So he donated the property. We tore it down. You know, of course, we you know ensued the, the cost of the, the 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 demolition, but we got the property. And um, from my understanding, from you, it's a yes. good location for a, a nice park. It is. We're looking at that for the youth. And but we came uh, and he got double double up. Yeah. Well, and and then while I was there, there was a house next door that um, I uh, spotted for demolition and you know condemnation and stuff. So I talked with the owner of that property, which encircled on two sides because the first property was on a corner and the second property wrapped around that corner property which made that property even bigger and in lieu of demolition or any cost he donated to the city um you know he gets a tax write-off sure and uh so now we've got two properties on that corner which is a bigger property and it's i guess a bigger property for you to make well a park. it gives you know <laughs> it, it, it does give you a little bit more um leeway and more uh, opportunity for if it's a bigger lot uh but you know the thing is is that what is really nice about that is that is a corner lot and it's it's visible in that in that community and yes of course we haven't torn down the second house yet but i think the city actually we're going to try that on our own you know we're we're really working in all areas of the city where we become more self-sufficient that we uh do a lot of the work ourselves so we're going to try see how it goes and tearing down this house because we do have the equipment so uh, once we take it down and and haul it off and so forth, yes, uh, and w I'll just talk a little bit about that because I do. Uh, at some point, we will discuss, uh, or I'll discuss later on about what we're going to do. But I am considering uh, a multi-use park, small park there with uh, uh, a skateboard or maybe that's basketball. That's definitely needed on that yeah, side of town. It is, and it's well. It'll be well. It, it'll be within walking distance, uh, you know of. Of, of you know Green Valley, different. There's a lot of you know a lot of housing over there, you know, yeah. and I think it's an, a great opportunity uh, for the city to invest back into that neighborhood. And I really, because I really want our youth to have somewhere to go and congregate, and you know, and of course it'll be monitored. You know, there'll be uh, lights at night. It'll you know it'll it'll be an extended park. It won't be just daytime. So I'm really excited about that. Don't know how that's actually going to work out as far as what's going to be there. I'm working with an engineer uh, from Lexington uh, out of GR, with GRW, and he's actually on a nonprofit board, and uh, he's going to help with the design and so forth of that park at some point. So once we get the house raised, uh, we'll be you know moving forward uh, with that project, and that's just you know reinvesting back in the community. We had the opportunity to do that. It, there's a there's another um, way that I had another house tore down. Um, it was a house owned by a bank out of South Carolina. Um, they couldn't sell the house. They had it on the market forever. I mean, it wasn't livable. Um, so I finally called them, made contact with them, and they actually donated it to the um, Habitat for Humanity. Mm -hmm. And then we had it tore down. It was tore down from there. And then it was resold. Um, so it, it worked out well for everybody. Um, Habitat, you know, made some money on the deal, you know, for, for, for future, future endeavors. And, uh, and we got a house, you know, raised so to the ground. Good resolution. Yeah, we like those, don't we? <laughs> uh, you know, and of course, uh, you know, there, uh, there are other issues, you know, that we face. I mean, we're working now uh, on trash. 
personal trash. responsibility for trash and trash has been and, my you know and as i go around you know and talking to people in the neighborhoods and it you know it's every neighborhood uh there's no, nothing exclusive it's uh how people deal with their trash now we have stuff on the books to deal yes. with trash yes. do you want to kind of go into that a little bit well we have on the books from federal state and local um every dwelling is supposed to have a a can that with a lid a, a watertight lid it's not supposed to be over 32 gallons. Now, if it does surpass the 32 gallons, so don't be getting the 55-gallon drums and thinking these, the um, our, our garbage men can go in there and pick it up. Um, they can't. Um, uh, if it surpasses the 32 gallons, then you need to get what they call most people call a Herbie Kirby. Um, on our books, it's a specified brand, Larkin, Zarkin, Zark, Zarkin, something. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, it doesn't have to be that brand. It just has to be the um, specifications of that. Yes, it has to have a hook on it that the hydraulics of the the trash sure. truck can lift it up without the manual labor, and uh, you can have those. It's perfectly good, you know, for for the city. Um, so I really suggest those. It, it really these these guys on these trucks are are, are just getting wore down. They are, you know, and the thing is, is that you know, and they're ninety five dollars a piece. Uh, the Herbie Kirby's the one we have now. You can go get your own somewhere else. What what I'm working on is uh, some type of installment plan. I'm not sure how that's going to take place, how we're going to be able to logistically do that. But, you know, maybe for $5 a month, you can uh, buy or rent a Herbie Kirby, and then you'll be in compliance, and you won't have to worry about it because all you have to do is dump it in. And, of course, talk about, you know, we're not talking about loose trash here now. That's another issue. Yeah. Um, well, loose trash next to the cans is also a, a problem. But, but in the cans the, itself, you know, like, and it's supposed to, everything's yeah, supposed everything to be Everything is supposed to be in a bag inside the can, and it's not supposed to be over... Um, I believe it's 13 gallon bag or mm-hmm. um, 45 gallon bag in the bag. Sure. So you, you know these 55 gallon bags that you know people construction pack bags and put in there. You know yeah. it's hard for these hard for these guys on the trucks to, to pull them bags yeah. out of can and put them on the truck. I mean it's just extra wear. Um, the cans when you put your trash in the cans, the trash is not supposed to be visible. So when that can that lid goes on, you're not supposed to see any any trash. Mm-hmm. And the trash is not supposed to go out until 24 hours prior to the trash pickup. So the cans alongside the road all week long, not supposed to happen. Um, and then once the trash, you know, come around and pick your trash up, within 24 hours you're supposed to have that back up by your house. So now there are some people that may, you know, forget about it. There's a holiday and we have and That's understandable. Exactly, and we know that. But, you know, uh, and I think, you know, you're going to be starting a process of notification. You know, you're going to be surveying uh, some of the uh, issues with trash, and they're going to be getting a letter, you know. And we want to we want to work to a resolution. I mean, this is not a we're not trying to shove something down their throat. We just want them to comply, and it is, and it's a health, it's a public health issue. Yes, it is. Um, I'm looking at a six month process here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be going around probably a day before the trash routes, taking down addresses, and uh, they'll be getting letters, mm-hmm. and hopefully the word spreads. You know, please right. you know, get your trash cans. Don't put the bags alongside the road. I mean, it's it's not only unhealthy, it's unsightly. Um, you know, dogs come along and get in it, and that's another subject altogether. Um, but well, it blows in a neighbor's yard or across the yard. I mean, it's yes. it's disrespectful to the folks around you, right? You know, especially if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And it diminishes land value. Yes. You know, some yes. some realtor comes in or a, an a, a, a assessor, whether it comes through. And they see trash all up and down the road. I mean, there goes your property value. Sure, absolutely. Because, you know, do you want to live in an area that has trash along the side of the road all the time? Right. And it's a quality of life thing, too. Yes. You know, I think, you know, uh, 
you have a family and so forth, you want to be able to you know go outside and, and not see everybody's trash. Or have it in your yard. In your yard. That's even worse. We had some complaints about that blowing across that. So, yes. And, you know, um, so uh, you're going to be working toward that. Now, let's talk about if you uh, – and I'm kind of the process. If you uh, select a particular house that doesn't meet code and it needs to be condemned, I mean, you go in and do an assessment, of course, before it's actually deemed, um, I guess – condemnation ready or whatever yeah. so how does that work um it's, it's, it's a visual assessment from the road mm -hmm. um now unless the the owner allows me to go in or it's an abandoned property um i can't go in the house so it's usually a visual visual assessment from the road and usually i can get enough from a visual assessment from the road to to know that or you know to try to understand that it, this house is not meant to be livable and um then i i send the owner a letter if i haven't already talked to him personally mm -hmm. i'll send him a notice of violation um if it's in, in such a condition that it's condemnable i will post uh, a, a note on the door right and then um, i'll also send the, the owner the same letter or the same note and then give him so much time to contact me work out something and i've worked out a lot of things you know sure. just because of my note says or my letter says 14 days or 30 days if there's extenuating cir circumstances, we, I've extended that to, to accommodate getting it done. Sure. And because it's expensive, and you know, and, and getting someone to do it, you know, a contractor, uh, be, because ultimately, you know, it's about, you know, managing the property. Whether you know, and, and in one case, I think you had a property that basically was condemnable, but the owner has committed to basically spending the money to fix it up, which I think was kind of a surprise. And and uh, it was you know. But I made him get all the proper permits. Right. He had to get a building permit to, to move forward. He had to get um, electrical and plumbing permits. Um, once he passes all those inspections, then um, it comes out of the state of condemnation. Okay. So let's talk about trailers, house trailers. What, what are we, where are, because I know we've had some issues about that. Well. Um, in the city. Yes. Because it's all basically, what, uh, zoned agriculture or something. About, about two-thirds was yeah. agriculture. Right. At one, you know. Okay. Um, the, the old ordinance put it that no trailers could be, um, 1998, um, no trailers could be replaced inside the city limits. Well, that was taken out for the 2012 version, I believe, and they just recently put that, that they missed that sentence, they put that back in. So now no trailers can be replaced inside the city limits unless it's in an MH1, Mobile Homes 1, or Mobile Homes 2 um, zone. And we don't have any of those inside the city limits anymore. So at this time, not even a double wide, which is in most cases considered a modular and by some definition is not a mobile home. It still falls as, a, as an MH1. Um, so it still cannot be placed inside the city limits now. I know we had a few come in um, until we finally got the definitions worked out um, with the state. Um, but now that we've got them worked out with the state, a double wide is also considered a manufactured home, not a mobile home, because no mobile homes have ever been built since 1976. Okay. June of 1976. <laughs> Definition change. Yeah, yeah, when HUD, you know, right. changed the standards of how they're built and how they're manufactured. Um, now they're all considered manufactured homes, but they're MH1 and MH2, which are the way the pitch of the roof are, the um, the, the um, shingles on the roof, um, the uh, siding on the house. Um, that all determines whether it's a 
actual what people consider a mobile home, which is like most single wides, or a double wide, which is an MH2. Of course, you know, there is a reality to all this because people have to have a place to live. Correct. And trailers, you know, we've, we've broached this subject. I'm not sure where it's going or if it's going anywhere. But, you know, the thing about it is the, our objective is to take out an unsightly uh, property or, business or a, a building or a trailer or whatever. And, you know, there's been some talk about, well, you know, if – and this is only if you're going back into the same place – it, you know, there's a possibility that we may work with people to put something, if it's nicer and meets the code, you may be able to go back into that with a, a modular home. However, it wouldn't be a new place. It would just be, because ultimately we want them to fix them up Correct. or whatever. And a lot of people, in, you know, I mean, the, you know, the demographics of our city are, are you know, you know. It's a wide gap in you know different right. areas, and a lot of people can't afford a brand new place or Correct. whatever. And some of these lots that these mobile homes are on, mm-hmm. you know, quote mobile home, I sure. guess, um, aren't big enough to actually put a uh, stick built house on. So, you know, it's, it's supposed to be uh, 0.25 acres of a lot inside mm-hmm. the city limits, and some of these lots are only like 0.17. They're a shotgun. Yeah, literally. And, <laughs> you know, and you know, they can put in as a driver. And the owners of them are like. What am I going to do? I yeah. mean, I want something new. Sure. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Or they live around other people that also have mobile homes. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, like you said, if 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 the, the situation's right, yes, um, a variance to put a new mobile home in with a with a, a foundation underneath, mm-hmm. you know, not the not the standard underpinning that most mobile homes have, but like a, a block finish and a uh, and a porch on the front and everything. Um, that yeah. that is that is well, something that needs to be might need to be considered. Yeah, because you got to look at the economics. Yes. I mean, you have to look, you know, uh, of where we're talking about and so forth. And we want everyone to have the opportunity to have a decent, uh, you know, roof over their head. And you know, you some people, you know, sometimes you can just only afford so much. And I don't care how much money you make or whatever. There's just so much you can afford. Correct. You know, and uh, but you know. Someone that's trying, and that, that's the one thing that I really, I think you really look to are those that are really making an effort, even under the most difficult circumstances, to improve their selves, their, their land, their dwelling, whatever. Correct. And, you know, and as I said, you know, you have to look at the surroundings when you're, you know, you try to assess this. I mean, you don't want one, you know, if you have a, a um, some of these, um, I'm lost for words. What, but, as uh, far as? Like uh, Woodland Heights and, yes. and, and Cambridge and all right. those, you know. Uh, um, you mean like neighborhoods or so yeah. forth? Like uh, yeah, that have certain houses that have to be a standard in the right. inside the in their community. Right. Some of them have actually associations, I guess. I don't know. I don't think. I they don't do. think we have any in, inside right. the okay. city limits. We all don't right. have any. There right. there have been in the past, but they've kind of dim- mm-hmm. you know kind of went to the wayside. Um, so. But um, you know, people when they purchase property in anywhere. You know, there is an expectation that that's how it's going to be. And I think in some areas, you know, uh, there's been an onslaught of uh, rental purchases, rental property purchases, <laughs> because people have died out or they've, you know, left, you know, gone somewhere else. And I think that that's an issue where, you know, you, some of the, you know, the neighborhoods now, they were all owned by their owners. Now you've got rental properties. And I think that, you know, we're just trying to make sure that, even if it is a rental property, some you know they're held accountable. Whether it's the owner of the, uh, the rental property or it's the the tenant, I mean there has to be some accountability to maintain a certain standard. 
if nothing else, for their own public safety. Well, that's that's where the uh, IPMC comes in. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's uh, property maintenance, so not it holds everybody to the same standard. So if you're in a neighborhood, even if it's a rental property, it's held to the same standard. It you know the windows have to be workable, the the siding and everything has to be, um, you know, gutters have to be placed, um, the yard has to be clean, mowed. Um, it is held to the same standard, and that's what the the International Property Maintenance Code is is, is doing, and it's. We're, we're working that way. We're trying to get sure. everybody that way. and um, It takes time. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, you, you have a vision. I have a vision of how we want uh, the city to be and look and so forth and everywhere in all parts of the city. And, you know, it's all, um, you know, it, it depends. You know, it's all, uh, I guess, I'm not sure what, what I'm trying to say, but, you know, you have to, you know, you have to have a little different perspective for each area depending on the situation. You know, uh, it's proportional, you know, to the, uh, you know, what, what is what is nice, what is considered good here may or may not be considered somewhere else. But it's the same, you said, same standard being held. It just has different definitions as far as particular places at some point. Correct. And tacky ain't illegal. No, it's not illegal. <laughs> Boy, if it was, the jails would be full. I've been tacky a few times myself, so, you know. But uh, so I think that that. That are two. That's two. That's two of the largest issues that I've been faced with is, um, you know, uh, dilapidated, bounded homes, um, and the trash situation. Now, you've got uh, some uh, issues. You got some. I see you got a list. So let's talk about some other. <laughs> well, things. you didn't give me much time. You told me last night. Well, I know, but you know, really, honestly, uh, and I and I apologize for that. But you know, the thing is, is that I know that you know over the years since we've talked. I mean, you do have a, a list anyway. Yes edged in your edge in your uh, head but and my you know we're getting into the spring we're getting into the summer my, sure. my next thing on the list is grass right grass weeds um, um we we look to keep your grass you know cut you know the neighbors you know don't want you know mm -hmm. the, their neighbor having 12 you know 14 inch grass weeds right. growing all over weeds growing upside of your house mm -hmm. so the limit is uh, in our standard most cities it's 10 inches um because we were easing into the, the codes and stuff like that, um, when we wrote the codes, um, it's 12 inches. Mm -hmm. So, and then 12 Anything inches. over 12 inches high yeah. is considered a violation. Or Correct. Okay. And you'll probably see in a note on, and usually I'll leave a little door hanger on the door. You well, know. you're almost getting to where you could cut hay off that. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, and the thing is, you know, things blow over into the yards and, it, you know, noxious weeds and so forth like well, that. Well, snakes, you know, you, the sure. grass starts getting high and, and stuff in the neighbor's yard or right. there's a vacant lot. Um, if sure. you have a vacant lot in town, mm -hmm. you, you also need to maintain that. Right. Um, because, you know, the grass gets high enough, it does harbor snakes. It harbors rodents. It harbors, you know. It does. And you, you've got, if you've got kids playing in your yard or whatever, you don't want that to be around that. Now, I will say, I think that, and we haven't really fully uh, thought this through yet, but I think a lot, and, and the city does do a lot of uh, mowing and, and, and uh, maintenance on some, uh, even, I guess, private and public lots because of the issues we're talking about. However, what people don't understand is if it's a private lot, the city, one, either charges the landowner or we put a lien on the property. So right. we're not just out here cutting private property for nothing. I mean, you know, I think, but it's a, it's a, it's a sightly issue. It's, it's, you know, a lot of it is people that, like we said, absentee owners and so forth. And I'll be, and uh, you gave me a list from the, the guys out on the, you know, doing right, mowing exactly. and stuff. So I'm going to be contacting those owners. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll, we'll 
either make them responsible for the property and right. they'll take over, if sure. they, especially if they don't know. I mean, they, yeah, well, uh, you know, you got to give them notice. I think it's, you know, it's fire to go. We've in. got landowners in this town everywhere from Louisville, Tennessee, Alaska, South Carolina. Sure. I mean, they don't know what their property looks exactly. like. Exactly. And, and New Jersey, actually. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Yes, and I think that that you know we're, it's a process, and I, it, you know, and we're just going to go through the steps. It's going to be applied to everyone equally and, and fairly, and uh, but it, it's just you know I think that once people see some of the results, I think it's they're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you're right. It does make a difference. Yes, and that you know, and that's that's your primary responsibility is you are making a difference in the city. I you hope know, so. sometimes you're having to. You know, they're, you're, they're, you know, dragging them, kicking and screaming, but <laughs> others are very, you know, happy to yeah. comply and because they're like, oh, well, you know, I didn't know or, I, you know, and things happen. People get busy. Things People like are on vacation, sure. you know, and stuff like that. Um, so if you do go on vacation, try to get somebody to maintain your property. Sure. Especially if you're going <laughs> yeah. to be, gonna be gone, on a month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're going three yeah. months down to Florida. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how do, you know, I, I get uh, calls all the time about different things. I mean, can people call you directly? I mean, or, yes. or email you or so forth like that? Yes. Um, actually, the city's website has the code enforcement on there. There's actually, under code enforcement, there's a um, complaint form. Mm-hmm. If you want to go that route and sure. email it to me at jbiddle, B-I-D-D-L-E, at cityofscottsville, all one word, dot org. Or you can call me at 270 606 zero three nine four and uh if, if i don't answer it right away um, um i will get back to you and uh we'll try to resolve your problem or we'll talk about what you got going on and they can find your information also on the free download scottsville advisory <laughs> app available <laughs> at the place play store for android and the iphone at the apple store uh let's talk about dogs briefly let's talk uh, about uh our leash law or okay. lack of leash law whatever i mean it, now now it's not it, a lack of leash law yeah, we have a leash right law. but i mean we're talking about city versus county city is a little bit different i mean you're you know primarily not actually you're not really even uh i guess what i would consider a dog warden or whatever but that is fallen at I'm least a, i'm a dog mediator yeah there you That's go so kind of talk a little bit about the responsibility of uh of dog owners because I'm, I'm a dog owner i love dogs uh, unfortunately we lost our uh, dog of 14 years here a couple three weeks ago but you know there are responsibilities to being a, a, a pet owner in general for their safety as well as the people around them. correct um leash law i mean your dog needs to be on a leash um if you're out walking it um if you have it in your yard it either, either needs to be in a pen or on a leash it cannot be tied up at your entrance to your to your household to your dwelling. Um, not only that is a safety issue. Um, say someone in your household got sick, the ambulance you know had to arrive. They can't get in the front door because you got a, a dog you know blocking your front door. The police need to get to your front door to you know to do something, notify you or you know whatever. So please do not um, uh, chain your dogs up to any of your front dwelling. It's actually against ordinance. Um, Leash laws in town, if your dog has a tag on it and it's running loose during the day, it is on the city to figure out what to do with that dog. Now, at night, whether the tag has or the dog has a tag on it or not, after dark, um, it's the county um, animal shelter that's mm-hmm. supposed to take charge of that. But even during the day, if the dog does not have a tag on it, the, the, the animal shelter is supposed to take care of that as well. Who is the uh, dog warden here at County Fort John? 
Jonathan Carter. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and you all work together. I mean, you. Yeah, we've been to been to a few sites, and we started working together. Sure. And, uh, that, and that's a good thing, because uh, I mean. I don't know. I mean, dogs break loose. I mean, you see them dragging their leashes around, you know, sometimes through town, and, and they're and they're you know they're just on the run, you know, and so forth. Now, I will say this: I've had this complaint several times, and this you kind of addressed it. Uh, like for instance, um, you know, we're we're pouring new sidewalks, we're replacing new sidewalks, and so forth. And yes. and my objective of those sidewalks is for people to be able to enjoy those and walk on those sidewalks in a safe manner. Now, I've had uh, a couple of issues where. The dog was tied up, and it was, uh, and you know, it, it could get to the sidewalk, and that that you know, that's you know, you know, um, getting to the sidewalk or even getting a foot from the sidewalk still is uh, you feel threatened. Sure, absolutely. So um, the standard is about ten foot, you know, ten foot from your utilities. If you've got a water meter, you got a gas meter. There's supposed to be no dogs tied up or any animals. Right. As I say, tied up within about 10 feet of that um, that utility, as well as the sidewalk. Um, you don't want a vicious pit bull barking at you five foot from you or two right. foot from you while you're walking down the sidewalk. Exactly. And and we're trying to, you know, you, you know the city's putting in these sidewalks for convenience, for, for daily strolls, for sure. exercise. And if you can't use them because there's a, a dog barking at you alongside the road, then you know, it, it causes a nuisance. Well, if you feel threatened, you're not going to use it, and, I, and that and that defeats the whole purpose of what we're trying to do. So, you know, and that's something that uh, you've been very uh, diligent with in a lot. Of, you know, and sometimes people may or may not know. I mean, you know, it's it's all about you know ignorance of the law. You know, I, I don't know that doesn't really necessarily play because you can find out. But you know, for the most part, uh, pet owners are very responsible. You know, for the most part, right? Yes. Uh, but you know, uh, had a uh, uh, episode here. I don't know, maybe a month ago or so. The uh, mailman. You're in constant contact with, <laughs> you know, the mailman. I, I get text messages. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, he's great eyes. You know, <laughs> yes. around the city. But he got he got bit here. Uh, what? He, about uh, three or four weeks ago. Yeah, he got. Um, it, it didn't break the skin, but he no. did get. Um, the owners actually let the dog out after he just delivered their mail, and uh, he got. Um, bit i guess you want was call it, it in a fenced area no it was not no fencing okay, so it the dog just ran out into the street or yes it yeah. chased him out into the street and uh, i think it was halfway down the road when he got right um but uh we had to deal with that problem and so uh, tell tell them exactly how how everyone in that area or at least on that route was affected because it affected several households well if the if the mailman feels threatened by dogs or anything you right. know, if a person threatens them they can cancel the route on that on that street or even on those um, adjacent streets, and you have to go pick your mail up at the at the post office. So it affected a lot of people down that road, and uh, and also a vicious dog. Even if it's bit somebody or if it's a pit bull or whatever, by city ordinance, you're supposed to have a hundred thousand dollar liability insurance on that animal in case of things like this. If the dog bites somebody, dog destroys something, you're supposed to have insurance and. Um, well, you're, you we did you make the owners that, of that right? place. They they did get their insurance right. for that dog. Yeah, but what happened was is that uh, there were eight or ten households. They had to actually move their boxes out to the street. Yes, as opposed to off the porch. Now, you know, it's a shame that everyone was affected that by one irresponsible uh, pet owner. And you know, I think uh, so. So there are consequences. Yes, you know, and I, I think that you know, mailman. 
you know, United States Post Office, FedEx, UPS, all these people, they've all been bitten. And I, I really uh, take it personally when they feel like they're threatened or they can't do their jobs in the city. And that, you know, basically falls on your well, shoulders. It's actually a criminal offense. It's a $500 fine or 12 months in the, in the county jail. Wow. Um, if your dog's a vicious dog and it's attacked somebody. Mm-hmm. So there are monetary or, or jail sentences. For, well, for I, mean, I think that's important. I mean, you know, ultimately, it's more, it's, it should be more of a deterrent than, you know, that's what you're looking for. Correct. I mean, we're just wanting people to, you know, have certain responsibilities, accountability, and so forth, of, uh, of not just uh, pet owners, but uh, their trash, uh, how their places look. I mean, these are all just basically common sense things. And you got a um, – we had a situation over – on one of the roads in town, mm-hmm. where the pet owner had five pit bulls tied up in its yard, spaced out, and they had them chained. So you're saying they were socially distanced? <laughs> they <laughs> were at the time. This was even before COVID. Okay. They were socially distanced, oh, but uh, they had them tied to concrete blocks. Mm-hmm. Now, if you know any pit bull, that pit bull is going to drag that concrete block yeah. wherever it wants to go. Exactly. <laughs> so we had a problem over there. We got we got rid of all the pit bulls mm-hmm. in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, if you have an issue or you see dogs running around, you know, you can call the city, I'll call the mayor's office, uh, or you can call uh, or email uh, Jerry directly, you know, and he works with Jonathan and so forth. I mean, so it's a, it's a partnership on that part of it. But a lot of times you end up having to deal with it. But it's basically a straightforward process. Yes. Of what, you know, enforcement. Now, I don't have the capabilities of actually picking a dog up. Right, exactly. So I have to get with Jonathan and, and we work it out. We had one dog up on on the city square, mm-hmm. it would lay down in the turn lane. <laughs> yeah. We'd go approach it, and it, it'd run around, yeah. and we chased it for, I'd say, a good hour. Yeah, It'd go around and make a circle and come right back to the same spot. So it was looking for its owner. It was very, you know, docile dog. Sure. Wasn't hurting anybody. Just scared. And, but it would lay down in the middle of this <laughs> four-way stop up there. So we finally had to, you know, we had to get it trained. Right. To get it, you know. Sure. get it taken away because otherwise it would have just kept right. making sense. And he could have run out and, and got hit, you know, so forth. Yeah. Um, so um, I guess, you know, zoning in the city. I mean, we have zoning in the city, right? I mean, yes. I think um, just a little bit about how, how that is. Um, for those who don't know anything about zoning, zoning is is separating the areas of town for the, for the way they're used. You got your residential districts for your houses, um, um, single-family houses, and you have your multifamily districts or zones, which can be included inside a single, you know, uh, single-family zone for duplexes, quadplexes, um, apartment buildings, and stuff like that. Then you have your business district, which is mostly the downtown area. Mm-hmm. And that's your B1, that's your business district in the downtown area. You have your B2 zone, which is for your other businesses that are not strictly down in the downtown area. Um, and then you have your industrial zones. So, and then there's agricultural, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, we're definitely in an agricultural area. So part of the town is actually considered agricultural as well. So those zones are set up inside the city. So only those things are usually allowed in those areas. Mm-hmm. But in like a business area. Okay. That's, uh, must be the, uh, I think the fire alarm. Oh. Yeah. Now, if we burn up here, it's your fault. Um, <laughs> it's all down. So, but in a business district, you can have, you can have um, uh, residential. Sure. But they're not you're not supposed to have a business in a residential. Exactly. And they, and that's they and they ran into that some you know that's why some places have not located because it was considered residential. Correct. And so, you, you know, and the zones are set up for a reason. They're not sure. set up just to to 
dictate, you know, where everything right. is. They're set up for specific reasons because you don't want to be living in your house and then all of a sudden a, a, a car dealer pops up next to you. Exactly. And then, you know, you have to deal with all that. So they're just set up for a reason. They're well, just not. Well, you're predictable. You know, if you're, you're going to live there or you're going to have a business, you know that you're going to be in a particular area that Correct. caters to that type of it, business or, you know, housing or whatever. Now, there are zone changes. Sure. You know, we've had many zone changes. Absolutely. And such, but they always talk. They ha- they're, they're mandated to send out letters to all the neighbors mm-hmm. and get the neighbors' input on whether they want to let that zone change go through. So, I mean, there are is a process that you can change a zone and or stop a zone change. So, sure. Now, I guess the, is the first step planning and zoning? Say, for instance, somebody wants a zone, zone change or whatever. Do planning they? and zoning. Okay, and that's uh, Shelly King. Yes. And so they have a planning and zoning board, and then I guess they act or whatever, and then it moves to the city council. I mean, there's a legislative process that Correct. goes through that. Because the city has to prove what the, you know, the planning and zoning right. is, has deemed know response and uh, and and I feel like and I can speak for all the city council members that you know there is a, a consciousness of, uh, of that type of situation and they're they're very in you know interested in making sure they make the right decision uh, so that you know the quality of life or our particular area is not affected too much like you know you're saying mixing business and, uh, and residential so uh, I, the city council is very very diligent they feel strongly about making sure that you know Zoning zoning is maintained well, and adhered to. The city council all live in the city. Now, the planning and zoning, there's three from the county, three from the city. Right. So, you know, they have a, a mix. So when they make a decision, you know, the city council still has to, you know, they have the opportunity to weigh that decision. Yeah, sure. But now, how much zoning is in the county? Not much at all. I don't think there's any zoning. See, I didn't the, think there was. No. So basically, the city council is acting Years ago, they tried zoning. I mean, right. it, they don't need zoning out there. They just need, you know, a lot of people out in the county want their neighbors to clean yeah. up their property. Responsibility, there needs to be. So, what do you do? I had a question. I mean, I had some. I've had. I've had some people ask me, uh, you know, in the county. Well, what do I do? Am I my neighbor? You know, trash. I don't know. I, it, I didn't it, have it, an answer. It depends on the extent of it. If it's uh, to the extent that it's a, a harbage for for rodents and stuff like that, mm-hmm. your neighbor has that. Um, the health department can go out and try to mediate that problem. Um, if it's junk cars and stuff like that, um, you can talk to the, the county judge and see if he can, you know, mitigate the, the, the problem. But as far as any set ordinances, and there's there's none that really dictate to an extent of what you can do in the county, which is like the Wild West out there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah really. Well, now, okay, so let's talk livestock in the city. No, let's not. Let's uh, let's <laughs> let's let's talk about what you can and can't do. I mean, I guess I can't. I, I would love to have uh, uh, some jerseys on my uh, my third of acre there, but I don't think that's possible, right? No. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, the, the ordinance says no livestock within the city, which we have it, and it's basically in an agricultural area. Mm-hmm. But the livestock's now supposed to be within 250 feet of a livable dwelling. So even if you have that grandfathered-in agriculture area that you've got cattle or horses, um, they're not supposed to be within 250 feet of a livable dwelling. So they have to be fenced off far enough away from those that they don't cause a nuisance to, to the And neighbor. that is, I think, has been adhered to some, right? I mean, they've, they've it, tried to do that. Yeah, uh, we had a little problem, but we, we, I think we, we got it managed. So, okay, i got to ask, are chickens livestock? Chickens are not livestock. Chickens are fowl. Yes. That's a foul thing to so talk about, but chickens thing. are so fowl. They, uh, so whether you're in Scottsville or Key West, they can basically roam the 
Rome well, no, they can't roam. Now okay. the chickens are mandate or are, 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 there's an ordinance for chickens. Okay, you know you got to have at least twelve square foot per chicken. Oh, okay. Well, that's more uh, humane than they would uh, in a uh, chicken <laughs> poultry farm. They have to be locked up. They get. I mean, they've got to have a pen. Uh huh. Um, they can't be running loose. So you can't have them running through your yard, across the road, mm-hmm. in the and we've yard. had that. Yes, we've had yeah. that many and many a times. Yes. And uh, um, so, and I just got a call recently about it, and I I explained to these people they're moving to the city. Or to Scottsville from mm-hmm. from elsewhere, and they asked about chickens and, sure. and stuff, and their property falls behind four other houses. Yes. So I explained that you can have the chickens, but they I've explained what the what the requirements are. But now if it becomes a nuisance because they are so close to four neighbors right. running adjacent to their property, that you know. And those neighbors might be a little nervous, but you know if they if 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 they. Uh, they're pinned up and they're you know pr- you know protected and they're not going to get out and so forth. Now what I would suggest is once they get up and get the roost and everything run, then maybe they start offering free eggs to the neighbors. <laughs> you know, hey, you know. Well, you've also got to. I mean, if you're in close proximity to neighbors, uh, you know, chicken droppings create histo, which um, inhaled into the lungs causes histoplasmosis, which is a fungus in the lungs. So they can be considered a hazard, not only a nuisance but mm-hmm. a hazard. So that would be something the health department would definitely want to take a strong look at. Yes. And that's excellent. So, um, well, is there anything else you may want to talk about? Have I covered everything? I mean, uh, I see a couple more items here, but I mean. Pools. Pools? Swimming pools? Swimming pools. I've got a lot of calls about swimming. You mean the uh, cement ponds? Well, yeah. You know, that's what Jed (laughs) Clement always called them, you know. Um, we got a lot of people, you know, it's getting the summer season. we got a lot of people putting up pools. the requirement is a pool, if it's over 24 inches deep, it has to have at least a 48-inch fence surrounding the pool with a lockable gate on the inside of the gate at 54 inches. And it has to be self-latching. And if the door opens more than six inches, the, the closure on the door, it has to be self-closing. So anything over six inches, if you open that, that door to your gate over six inches, the, the pull on the door to close it has to be able to close the door back. Automatic. So from six inches outward, yeah. it automatically closes. And this is a safety hazard for the, you know, not only your kids, but the sure, you know, kids, neighbor kids running over into the yard. So if you have any more questions about pools, give me a call, um, and I'll try to get you the ordinance on exactly what you want to do if you didn't write everything I just said. Well, down. I think, you know, I think part of it is just educating. Yes. You know. Uh, people, you know, and I get I get calls. People wanting to know sure, what absolutely. they need to do, and and those people are, you know, they're very health and safety conscious. Preventive maintenance or preventive information, you yeah. know, what it, because it, it is. I mean, and it's just like I said, a lot of times people don't know, but you know, uh, the information's available, and you're yes. always willing. You know, you would even make and a site visit or talk to them about anything. All this information is also available on the Scottsville website. Mm-hmm. Um, go to code enforcement, um, and uh, there's a search bar and uh, type in just a generic word of what you're looking for, and it should pop up the ordinance that you're looking for. And if you can't find it, call me. I'll help you through it. Sure. Excellent. But, but everything's listed, on, published on the, on the on our website. We're getting ready to have an, our uh, new launch of our new updated uh, website, so it's going to be pretty exciting with links Do you go and ahead so and forth. You, you want to go ahead and uh, give that a, 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 a plug? Yeah. Well, it's not launched yet, but it, I know Ada Beth's working on a couple of informational things, phone numbers, emails, stuff like that, just – housekeeping things uh, so i see something there uh what we got what else uh, oh parking 
I mean, what about bulk? What, what oh, bulk um, items alongside the road. It's it's a it's it's a pet peeve of mine. I know it's. A, and when you say bulk, what does that mean? You're talking about throwing them mattresses and couches. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, we're well aware of that. We pick up our junk pickup. I think they reproduce at night because we have more <laughs> every day to pick up. That you know, by law, that's not supposed to happen. I know. And you know, if you're gonna put it out, you know, this is a this is a um, courtesy by the city. If you're gonna put it out, call the city and schedule them a time. So you know that it's not going to be sitting out there for two weeks. The rain on them, the couches and stuff. And, you know, some of the stuff going to the side of the road is put out there because it either had bed bugs um, or some other thing in the, in the you know, I know a lot of people are right now are changing over furniture. You know, it's, it's tax time. It's, mm-hmm. it's a stimulus time. They're changing over their furniture in their house, which is great, you know. Sure. But for these guys to pick this up, it, it, it's a health and safety issue for the, for the people coming along picking it up. So please, before you put anything beside the road, please call the city, call the water department, and make arrangements so they know that it's coming, so they know that they can keep on top of it and it's not sitting there for quite a yeah, while. we keep a running list. Now, I'll tell you what we are going to we're, – we're working on it, and this is probably going to happen. I don't know if it will happen this year or at least right immediately. Uh, you know, we've gone to a zone pickup for our leaves. So what we're going to probably do is apply that same concept to junk. Uh, you know, if you know we're going to be in a neighborhood, you know, a certain week, you know, for three or four days, then, then you can set it out then. Uh, if, you know, and, and I, I don't know how that will work out, but if, you know, if you're scheduled and, and, you know, and you can get it out there. But if it's out, you know, before or after, you know, and it's not in that, you know, maybe day or two is ready to be picked up, then there may be some issues that we'll have to deal with. But, I mean, because right. we want to make sure that the, the system works. Because with leaves, it's worked great. Yes. And so, and, and I like that. Like, for instance, if I know they're going to be picking up junk next Tuesday uh, from 9 to 12 or whatever the day, then I'm going to be ready. Uh, and, and I, you know, and they, we can plan for that because, you know, what we've got, same thing with the leaves. You know, we've got people running all over the city picking up junk. You know, like I actually uh, – Unfortunately, on a Saturday afternoon uh, before Easter Sunday, uh, there was a, a big pile of stuff out the road, and I actually called the boys in. They went in and picked it up and got it out of the way because I didn't want people going to church. You know, yeah. on Sunday seeing that, you know. And uh, so, but, you know, sometimes it's just that's when people can do it, on the weekends and so forth. But, you know, I think if, you know, if we've got a set schedule and they know what we're doing, I think that for the most part, people will uh, well actually they'll appreciate it because then they'll know, hey, yes. my junk's going to get picked up at a certain time. Well, and, and if you've got it, if you just can't wait, and you've got a friend that's got a trailer, absolutely, take it out to there. It, I mean, usually a trailer doesn't cost you more than mm-hmm. full trailer about twenty five bucks. Right. So it's it's not going to cost a lot to you know. So grab a friend, throw it on sure. the trailer, haul it out to the to the transfer station out there on uh, thirty one. Yeah, and the thing is, you know. Uh, if they call the, uh, call the mayor's office or water department, then imp- on the list. And if for some reason we get done early in one area or something happens, we're sort of going to, you know, move on the list and get that done because we want to get it up as much as anyone else. Yes. So uh, what else? Uh, let's see. Parking? What, what's, what <laughs> we got parking here? I'm uh, Off-street parking. Yes. On-street parking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we got some neighborhoods that don't have any uh, any parking areas for their for – their, um, at their house or their, their – but uh, – Please try to park off the road and, and not have your broke down vehicle on the side of the road. You know, no tags because if it doesn't have any tags and the wheels are flat and mm-hmm. um, it can be towed away. 
we just towed one out of the city uh, parking lot over here uh, behind Enchanted uh, Celebration. It had been there forever. I think the tires were flat. It was taking up space, and uh, I think we had it hauled off. Yeah. And it's impounded, so they have, you know, eventually, I'm not even sure if anybody's even picked it up now. I'm not, I don't know what the story <laughs> was. But, I mean, that's just another uh, being uh, responsible and accountable and safety. Well, um, just like the house we took down up on uh, North 4th Street, um, those people on that curve on North 4th Street as yes. you round it up to the – they all parked on the side of the road, which on that curve doesn't give you much room to around that curve. So I talked to you, talked to Greg, talked to Roger. They went in and they poured some um, gravel alongside the road there where we took the house down. Now they those people parked off there. Yes. Now once the house is sold, we're gonna have another problem. But right now we got most of those cars parked off the side of the road for what forty bucks. Yeah, I was out there uh, yesterday afternoon and it looked great. I, I re- that really helped that little. Uh, thoroughfare through uh, going up through life skills and to uh, Scottsdale Manor made it safer and uh, you're right very little uh, cost to get that done and it's in that way it's safer people you know and uh, I think it it definitely improved that little part right there I think uh, the neighbors were very happy about well one the demolition and two the fact that they were able to have off street parking so um, anything else? I mean, um. we covered some ground, and I think you know, and, and we may may even come back and maybe just discuss maybe uh, at length one particular issue as we move forward through our process because there's there's things going to come up, and we're evolving in some of our uh, enforcement uh, issues and so forth. And you know, of course, you knew, do now have a, a truck that has yes. Scott's full city of Scott's. It's got enforcement officer, right? Code enforcement. For code enforcement. So, you know, uh, so when, you know, people see you, they'll know, you know, that So if you see my lights at city. your neighbor's house yeah. and, and their grass is high, yeah. you might be next. There you go. So <laughs> may want to run down and get the, uh, get, get it mowed. So anyway, well, Jerry, I really appreciate your time you, and Matt. it's been very educational and I hope that people, uh, will listen thoroughly and, and absorb what you're uh, trying to do. It's, it's, a, you know, basically you're an educator, you know, uh, for the most part, we're trying to educate, uh, people to do what, uh, is within the uh, the rules, regulations, ordinances of the city of Scottsville. So uh, thank you very much, and uh, you have a good rest of the day, and I appreciate you, you well. taking your time. Take thank care. You. Uh-huh.